This is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And this week, we'll be taking a look at The Cheese Touch from Jeff Kinney's renowned children's book series, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. My favorite book. Where'd they get access to my diary? Diary of a Wimpy Kid is a cartoon-based novel and a reasonably successful film. Turn around, bye, ties. It is quite quotable according to me and my family and James. Anyway, it catalogs protagonist Greg Hefley's transition into middle school life. My favorite. The plot as a whole shifts around between a number of junior high vignettes, but perhaps the most notable one of all concerns the cheese touch, a disease which a student can contract by touching a moldy piece of cheese on the school blacktop. This is explained in the film by a character named Shirag Gupta. One day, that cheese mysteriously appeared on the blacktop. Nobody knew who it belonged to. Nobody touched it. Nobody threw it away. And so there it sat, growing more foul and powerful by the day. Then one day, a kid named Darren Walsh made the biggest mistake of his life. Cheese touch. It was worse than nuclear cookies. He became an outcast. <laughs> the only way to get rid of the cheese touch was by passing it on to someone else. And so began the cheese touch frenzy. Friend turning on friend, brother turning on sister. It was madness. Until a German exchange student named Dieter Müller took it away. Dieter has the cheese touch. Sadly for Dieter, that fact was lost in translation. Thankfully, he moved back to Dusseldorf and took the cheese touch with him. And so the cheese sits, patiently waiting for its next victim. Wow. This is a terrible place. The cheese touch, of course, is not a genuine disease, even in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid cinematic universe. It's more so just a case of mass hysteria that occurs among the students at Greg's middle school. But even so, we can take a look at some of the medical conditions that exemplify what the cheese touch would be like if it were a real-life affliction. When you think about medical problems caused by cheese, there's probably one obvious one that comes to mind lactose intolerance. As a matter of fact, Greg Hefley even falsely claims to be lactose intolerant in order to avoid being forced to eat it by a group of bullies. Most of us know lactose intolerance as a dietary restriction where a person can't consume dairy. But what exactly does that entail, and why does it happen? I'm glad you asked, Jennifer. Even though I know, but you know, it's all good. Listen, we're not all nurses. (laughs) 
According to Mayo Clinic, lactose intolerance, or lactose malabsorption, is defined as the body's inability to completely digest lactose, which is the name for the sugar found in milk. Because of this, if a lactose intolerant person does consume dairy, it can cause diarrhea, bloating, gas, abdominal cramps, nausea, and even vomiting in extreme cases. That being said, lactose intolerance isn't life-threatening. It's more uncomfortable than it is genuinely harmful, so when Greg states outright that he'll die if he's forced to eat the cheese because he's lactose intolerant, his excuse isn't actually a medically accurate one. He obviously is not a nurse. He's a sixth grader. Lactose intolerance is caused by the small intestine failing to produce an adequate amount of lactase, the enzyme which digests lactose. When a person has a sufficient amount of lactase, it breaks lactose down into two simpler sugars that can easily be absorbed through the lining of the small intestine into the bloodstream. But if a person has a lactase deficiency, lactose moves straight into the colon and comes into contact with bacteria, leading to the symptoms of lactose intolerance. There are three different types of lactose intolerance, with each being defined by when and how it develops. The first is primary lactose intolerance, which is the most common. This is characterized by having normal lactase production levels from birth, but having those levels dramatically decrease during childhood upon switching from a milk-based diet to other solid foods. This type is generally a result of genetics, with Mayo Clinic noting that it's more likely to occur in people with African, Asian, or Hispanic ancestry. In short, people may be lactose intolerant, but dairy products are racially intolerant. Mm. Snaps. The next type is secondary lactose intolerance. This is also characterized by lactase production levels that decrease later in life, but rather than genetics, this is caused by some kind of illness, injury, or surgical procedure that affects the small intestine. If the condition affecting the small intestine is treated, then lactase production levels can realistically increase again, but this can be a lengthy recovery process. The last type is congenital lactose intolerance. This is the type of lactose intolerance which is present immediately at birth due to a complete lack of lactase production. This poses a problem, as infants generally derive all their nutrition from milk. That being said, this is pretty rare. It's an autosomal recessive disorder, meaning that both parents have to carry and pass along the gene for congenital lactose intolerance in order for it to be present in their child. Cheese touch is quite different from lactose intolerance. For one thing, its main symptom is social ostracization rather than stomach troubles. The cheese touch is also contracted by making physical contact with cheese rather than by ingesting it, although Greg's best friend Rowley is intimidated into eating the cheese by a group of troublesome teenagers. Yeah, happens to the best of us. An important fact to note about lactose intolerance, however, is that, contrary to what many believe, being lactose intolerant does not mean you're allergic to dairy. A milk allergy is an entirely separate issue from lactose intolerance. As noted by Food Allergy Research and Education, milk allergy and lactose intolerance shouldn't be used as interchangeable terms, as they are different conditions with different implications. A milk allergy specifically involves an overreaction by the immune system to a protein present in milk. Rather than bloating and diarrhea, a milk allergy can lead to more severe symptoms such as hives, wheezing, rashes, itching, swelling, coughing, difficulty breathing, and loss of consciousness. In a worst-case scenario, a milk allergy can cause anaphylaxis, a term referring to a life-threatening allergic reaction that causes the airways to constrict. In short, while the cheese touch may be the absolute most devastating thing that can happen to a middle schooler in a young adult novel, in the real world, not all cheese diseases are created equal. 
Milk products, when unpasteurized, can carry bacteria that can be harmful to humans when ingested. According to the Huffington Post, pasteurization is the process of heating milk up and then quickly cooling it down to eliminate certain bacteria. Though there are many different types of bacteria that can reside in milk and milk products, we'll discuss a few that are more well-known. According to Dr. Ingrid Koo of Very Well Health, the O157H7 strain of E. coli is one type of bacteria that can contaminate raw milk and soft cheeses. When ingested, E. coli can cause bloody diarrhea, which is medically known as hemorrhagic colitis, and hemolytic uremic syndrome, which causes a low platelet count, leading to bleeding and kidney failure. Another common bacteria that contaminates soft cheeses and unpasteurized milk is Listeria monocytogenes, which causes an infection called listeriosis, or just listeria. This infection is most dangerous to people with weakened immune systems, such as those with AIDS, pregnant women, and the very young and very old. I am both at the same time. Hmm. According to the CDC, listeria causes symptoms similar to other foodborne pathogens, such as fever and diarrhea. Once the listeria bacteria has spread beyond a person's gut, which is called invasive listeriosis, symptoms vary depending on whether the infected person is pregnant or not. Which one am I? I'll never tell. Mm, fair enough. XOXO. <laughs> pregnant girl. <laughs> oh my god. Pregnant women with invasive listeriosis usually experience flu-like symptoms and fever, though the infection can lead to miscarriage, stillbirth, premature delivery, or life-threatening infection of the newborn. On the other hand, people who are not pregnant and have invasive listeriosis experience symptoms like headache, stiff neck, confusion, loss of balance, and convulsions, as well as fever and muscle aches. Yet another common bacteria that infects raw milk and milk products is salmonella. According to the CDC, salmonella infections cause symptoms such as diarrhea, fever, and abdominal cramps for the first 12 to 72 hours. The infection usually lasts 4 to 7 days without the need for treatment, though some people may experience diarrhea so severe that they need to be hospitalized. And those people are losers. Oh my god! They're sick! They're sick, but like... If they were in middle school and they got the cheese touch equivalent that caused severe diarrhea that required hospitalization, they would never recover from that in the social scene. Yeah, that's fair. The last bacteria we'll discuss that contaminates milk and milk products is Staphylococcus aureus, which causes staphylococcal or staph food poisoning. According to Dr. Koo, the resulting... <laughs> what? <laughs> is Dr. Koo a pigeon? Dr. Koo. <laughs> anyway, according to Dr. Koo, the resulting food poisoning from this bacteria is not caused by the bacterial infection itself, but by the bacteria releasing toxins into food left out at room temperature. The toxin causes explosive vomiting, which I, I don't even want to know what that entails, or I don't want to see it or picture it. Do you know what this reminds me? This reminds me of the ending scene of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I forget which which of the two movies. It was the second movie where um, Roderick is in a band called Loaded Diaper and they perform a song called Exploded Diaper. Exploded Diaper all over the place. Oh yeah, I remember that. That's what happens if you have Salmonella or Staphylococcus aureus. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. You get a loaded, explosive diaper. Exploded diaper. <laughs> get out of my face! <laughs> According to the CDC, other symptoms of staph food poisoning include a sudden start of nausea, stomach cramps, and sometimes diarrhea. 
These symptoms usually last no longer than a day, and the illness cannot be passed from person to person. Since the cheese touch, by the nature of its name, is supposedly transmissible through skin-to-skin -skin contact, we can take a look at real-life diseases that are also transmitted by skin contact. According to South Australia Health, direct spread of infections occurs when the skin or mucous membrane of one person comes into contact with another person's skin or mucous membrane. I like it. Was it adequate? It was pretty adequate. One time I was stopped on the street and this couple said, Excuse me, could you tell us how to get to the Strand Bookstore, please? <laughs> Strand Bookstore? We were on 12th and 3rd. I had to walk two avenues. Indirect spread of infections occurs when the skin or mucous membrane comes into contact with contaminated objects or surfaces. In the case of cheese touch, the kids were directly spreading the infection to one another. Some examples of diseases spread by skin contact are chickenpox, cold sores, conjunctivitis, hand, foot, and mouth disease, head lice, ringworm, scabies, staphylococcus aureus infection, and warts. According to Healthline, there are many prevention strategies to avoid contracting an illness or infection through touch. These strategies include washing your hands or using hand sanitizer regularly, always washing your hands with soap and water if your hands are visibly soiled, minimizing touching your nose or mouth with your hands, avoiding sick people, covering your mouth when you sneeze and cough and washing your hands afterwards, and sanitizing children's toys and changing tables. For healthcare professionals, standard prevention strategies include washing hands or using hand sanitizer before and after caring for each patient and wearing disposable gloves. So in conclusion, it's not just dairy-related illnesses and skin contact diseases that can make you vomit. It's also these singing performances. Turn around, bite eyes. Every now and then I fall apart. That's all we have to say for now. But what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? If so, you can send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm James Ewer. And I'm Jennifer Horlick. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Excerpts from Diary of a Wimpy Kid were written by Jeff Kinney and published by Amulet Books. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the movie, was written by Jackie Filgo, Jeff Filgo, Jeff Judah, and Gabe Sachs, and is property of 20th Century Fox. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson and is property of Warp Records. 